you know. You ever twiddled your thumbs? Or maybe on a table. We're not talking about those kind of things while we wait. While we wait, we can do ministry. And the ministry I'm referring to is praying. If you ask a preacher, what is the greatest work that you do as a gospel preacher? He might say, well, preach the gospel. Isn't that kind of obvious? I'm a gospel preacher. He probably wouldn't say pray first because that would make him a gospel prayer. Thank you. Some of you are with me this early in the lesson. So that would make you, I guess, a gospel prayer. You might say, well, a greatest work a preacher can do is visit the sick and the shut-in and the hospitals and the members. And in that case, he would be a gospel visitor. Josh, you and me. And we could list a whole number of things and ask the same question. Already this morning here at Waterson Trail, we've done a lot of praying. We prayed as worship began. We prayed when the scripture was read. We prayed before we ate the unleavened bread. We prayed before we drank the fruit of the vine. We prayed before we gave. And believe me, your minister prayed early this morning. I believe that's one of the greatest things, one of the greatest ministries, one of the greatest area of services any gospel preacher can give. I would, I would encourage any eldership when seeking out the next minister for their congregation to ask a question about prayer. Could you describe your prayer life for us? And you want to hear, well, I begin every morning with a prayer and I end every morning with a, I mean, every evening with a prayer. I pray before every Bible study. I pray before every counseling session. I pray and ask for uh, permission to pray at every hospital room or every household that I'm in. I pray before I eat. And I thank God in every aspect of my life. That's what you want to hear. Well, if we're asking that for the preacher, couldn't the preacher ask that? for the elders? And shouldn't the preacher ask that for the church? I mean, after all, what should we be doing, you and I, right now? I want to pray so that my prayer life matters to me, changes me, makes me stronger and better and wiser. I want my prayers to produce results.
Do you? I want to be able to see them, to experience God working. Now, God is going to work in your life and mine and in the world whether we pray or not. He causes the sun to rise on the what or who? The just and the unjust. He causes the rain to fall down whether you're living right or living wrong. Whether you're rich or poor, whether you're male or female, no, whether, no matter where you are, God is taking care of you. He's taking care of His world. But Jesus in the Scriptures, God in the Scriptures, gives us a reason to pray. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Well, what if I don't ask? I'm going to receive some things. I'm going to receive the rain and the sunshine. I'm, the, the earth is spinning and revolving. The sun rises, not really, but that's what we say. The sun rises of a morning, it sets of an evening. But there, there are some things that I need to talk to God about. There's some results that I want in my life that I think I need in my life. And so he says, ask me for them. I mean, am I saying this right or wrong? Like this is right, like this is wrong. Okay. Need to know if you're here, okay? I mean, he says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and what? You'll find. Knock and it'll be open to you. He even goes back over it for to him who asks receives, to him who seeks will find, him who knocks it will be open. He said, and he even gives an example, an illustration, a, 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 something for us to think about on the lesson trying to teach us. I mean, if your son comes to you and asks for you, I'm hungry, Daddy, will you not give him food? Daddy, I'm thirsty. Would you not give him water if you had it within your power to do? He said, if you being human or evil, sinful, know how to do this for your own children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the things you need, give you the good things? One of the Gospels say, give you the Holy Spirit. But he gives us the good things of life. We need to be asking. We need to be seeking. We need to be knocking. Do we want the result? I want to receive. So I need to ask, pray. I want to find. So I need to be seeking. I want to have a door of opportunity open to me. So I need to be... There you go. As together we stand and sing, right? <laughs> Not yet. Got a few more minutes. I've had three points. You know, preachers got to have points, right? You can't call it a sermon if there's no point one, point two, point three, right? And most preachers have point four. And some have a little added. Some of us, I should say. I want my prayer to get results. Remember last Sunday, prayer is not negotiation. 
Prayer is not for emergencies only. Prayer is not a fantasy or a dream come true. And prayer is not just something that I need to just deal with. My plight in life, you know, resignation. I just need to be resigned. God says to pray, but I shouldn't expect anything to come from it. You know, there I go again. I pray expecting something and I never get what I want. I'm going to pray, but I'm not going to have any expectation. No, we don't pray that way. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is who we are. Prayer is what we're about every day as a Christian. It's our communication with God. In this text in Matthew chapter 12, isn't that a fascinating biblical account of something that happened at the last moment, right before Herod was about to murder one of the greatest apostles that there ever was. Boy, Peter, he's an example to all of us for what to do. And he's an example to all of us for what not to do. Isn't he? Lord, I will never let you down. Uh, I don't know him. I'll tell you I don't know him. What do you mean? Me and his disciple? No way. I could just echo in his head. An example of what not to do. Don't make promises you can't keep. I was told a long time ago, never say the word never. And I just said it twice, right? I remember my brother, before he had children, he said, oh, when my wife and I have children, we will never use a paddle on them. We will sit our two-year-old down and have a calm discussion. And then God blessed my brother and his wife with two beautiful children from Russia. They made two or three trips to Russia and adopted my nephew Anthony and my niece Sophia who are now 14 years old. And one day I was over at their house, you know, maybe four years later, after they had gone through the adoption, and I put my hand on the mantle. You know, I didn't, didn't mean to. You know, I was just standing by the fireplace, and I just put my hand up there like that to lean on it, and my hand touched a hickory switch. Do do you know what a hickory switch is? And I just picked it up. And I went, I know what this is. I've experienced this. And my brother looked at me and said, don't even ask. (laughs) I said, my comment was, how's that calm discussion going? And I just laid the hickory switch back on the mantle, and we just went on about our business. 
I want to pray so that God hears my prayers and answers them according to His will and my need. You never know in an audience what kind of sounds you're going to hear. Even when we say, please silence your cell phones so that our worship is... It's hap- I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but Cindy and I were sitting up here. I, it's been two or three years ago now. And you know, uh, one of the elders came up and made that announcement. And uh, about 10 minutes into the sermon, the phone, my wife's phone went off, you know. And I'm like, you know, that's for preacher's wives too. <laughs> well, I thought I turned it off, you know, all those reasons. Now, where were we, right? Point number one. Oh yeah, we were in the story of, of uh, Acts chapter 12. If you read down to verse 5, Peter's in prison. He has 16 soldiers that are only to guard him. Four squads of four. He was bound in the, in the jail or prison with two chains with one soldier on one side and one soldier on the other side, and, and Peter chained to the soldiers. And the other 14 soldiers inside and outside the prison. I mean, what kind of criminal was this man? I mean, he was only there for speaking in the name of Jesus. And it could be he was there for praying in the name of Jesus. For whatever Peter did he, did, he did in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that an example to us? Whatever we do in word or deed, do all to the glory of God, do all in His name, whether we're private or public, shouldn't matter to a Christian. Our word is yes or no, whether we're alone or with a thousand people. But he's bound in chains... And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 12 that Herod had already killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when it pleased the religious leaders who were rejecting Jesus of that day, he proceeded to take Peter, he arrested him, bound him, and at the last moment in time, an angel of the Lord came, touched Peter on his side woke him up, and Peter, the Bible tells us, didn't know whether he was just dreaming or it was real. The chains fell off of him. He said, come out quickly. And he came around the soldiers and through the door, and the gate opened on its own. And at a certain point in time, the angel of the Lord left Peter, and Peter was free. Why did this happen? Verse 5. But prayer, fervent prayer, constant prayer, passionate prayer, was being given to God by the church. That's the difference between locked up and freed. It's the difference between addicted and clean. It's the difference between in sin and in righteousness. 
the church was praying for Peter. Now you'll have to read the rest of the story. It is fascinating when Peter shows up at the assembly place of the church. Unfortunately, here at Waterson Trail, after our service service begins, we lock the door. I have determined now that that is scriptural. And what gave me the idea that locking the door during a service is scriptural? Acts chapter 12. The door was locked. And Peter came to the door, knocked on the door. And do you remember the young lady's name who came to the door? Rhoda came to the door. Who is it? And it was Peter. It's me. Rather than open the door to Peter, it can't be Peter. Peter's in prison, right? Bound with two chains, right? Guarded by 16 soldiers, right? About to be killed under Herod's watch, right? But the church was praying. Were they not expecting results? They must not have been expecting results. What about us? How I know that they were not expecting results is because they didn't believe Rhoda when she came in and said, Peter is knocking at the door. Should I let him in? And they reprimanded her and said, Come on back to prayer. Peter is in prison. But we're praying for Peter. Peter kept knocking. I'm so thankful he did. What's a lesson to us? Don't just knock once. Keep knocking. Don't just ask once. Keep asking. Don't just seek once. Keep seeking. Don't just work once. Keep working. Don't just pray once. Keep praying. Don't just worship once. Keep worshiping. Don't just live the Christian life one day. Keep living it. Good, bad, up, down, in the valley, on the peak of of victory. Just keep doing it. Don't give up, don't give out, and don't give in. Give in to God, yes. Don't give in to temptation to stop. Life is tough, but the church prays. That's what makes the difference. We don't know what's going to happen. But the church prays. We're in trouble. But the church is praying. What will we do? School's about to start and we're all in an uproar. I mean, is the state going to manage the school system? Is the board going to continue to manage the school system? What's our children going to do? But the church prays. The sermon may be too long, but you can never pray too long. Now, I said it. You say, I heard a preacher say the sermon can be too long. You can actually say that a preacher said that. Most preachers won't say that. They won't admit it. 
The sermon can be too long, but you can never have too long a prayer when there's something to pray for. We're not talking about vain repetition that Jesus mentions in the Sermon on the Mount. Point number two, many things would happen but for prayer. See, a lot of things are happening. That's point one. A lot of things are happening. A lot of troubles. Uh, we're going through some tough times. Here's where we are. Let's pray about this. Let's pray for re redemption. Let's pray for an answer. Let's pray for results. Let's pray for God to open our eyes to see what to do, where to turn. Let's pray for God to provide for us. This is where we are. Point number two is, this is where we could be. But let's pray. A lot of times, many of our worries never actually happen. Why? Because of prayer? Lord, this could happen tomorrow. This could happen next week. This could happen next month. I'm going to pray. God, let your will be done. If we need to go through this... We know you'll provide. But Lord, from where I sit right now or where I stand right now, it sure would be great not to have to do this. But if we have to, we know you'll provide. We bring that to God. We produce that before Him. In Luke chapter 11, in verse 1, Jesus prayed. He went off, not just here, many times. There was one time we have... Uh, scriptural evidence that tells us that Jesus prayed and prayed all night long. And here the disciples see Jesus coming back or returning from prayer and they said, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. There was something about Jesus when he went into prayer and then a different attitude when he came from prayer. You'll find that to be true when you truly, when we truly get serious about the ministry of prayer. Prayer is something that's a ministry. I don't know why some of these big mega congregations of the Lord's church, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they hired a minister of prayer. The other day I noticed that one of the big congregations had hired a... Uh, I think it was like a minister of man management. I was like, okay, what is a minister of management? Well, they have nine preachers, so they need another preacher to manage the nine preachers. So now they have ten preachers. Minister of... I wonder if one of those ten is a minister of prayer. I wouldn't be opposed to that. Let's just take it to our minister of prayer. Let's just call our minister of prayer. All this, wouldn't that be something? All you do is pray. You think it'd be worth it? Come on. After hearing this lesson and the lesson last Sunday, do you really, I think it'd be worth it to have someone just praying constantly. But better than that, I believe we need to have the entire church of our Lord Jesus Christ praying like, like the church prayed in, in the passage we're reading. Constant prayer was made on behalf of Peter. Prayer changes things. You ever heard that? 
Prayer matters. Finally, number three. We sin against God when we do not pray. If we're not praying, we're not living right. Well, Brother Mickey, are you telling me I just need to start praying when I get up in the morning and never stop praying until I retire at night? Well, I mean, what does 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 say? Only three words. Pretty hard to under, misunderstand three words. Pray without... Whoa, wait a minute. Pray without ceasing. That means when I stop praying, that not that ceasing? And if I continue to pray, then I'm praying. Take this the way I mean it, and take this the way he means He doesn't mean you just pray all the time, and I can't have a conversation with you because I'm in prayer. Now, there may be a time that that happens. I would love to be able to call the church office and our secretary, Brittany, answer the phone and say, uh, Watterson Trail Church of Christ, this is Brittany speaking. And you say, well, I want to talk to Brother Mickey. And she would say to you, I'm sorry, he's in prayer right now. What would you say? Well, interrupt him, right? I need to know what time he's to meeting me for lunch. No, you would probably say, really? He's in prayer and you know this? And, well, yeah. He spends this amount of time. I need to do some changing. I haven't always been that kind of preacher, but I want to be. Maybe you're not that kind of Christian, but do you want to be? the kind that can be depended on, your daughter, your son. How would you like for your daughter or your son to be going through some ordeal at work or at school or at home and have in their mind a thought, you know, I need to call daddy. You know, I need to call mama about this to ask her to pray for me. Because I know mama and daddy they believe in prayer, they believe in God, and they're praying people. And I want to be like mom and dad. To have that kind of influence over your children. What about your grandchildren? I'm about to make the decision of my life as to which college to accept. I've been accepted by all of these colleges, but I need to go to the right one for me. What do we need to do about that? Well, I need to pray about it, but I need to call someone who I, who I know is prayerful. And that could be any of us. To not pray is to sin. Here's what John Bunyan said in the Pilgrim's Progress about prayer. Prayer will make a man cease from sin. As sin will entice a man to cease from prayer. Oh, how true that is. Could this be our problem today? Could this be the answer to our prayers? Could prayer be the answer to the problem? Could prayer 
be the answer to prayer. Now I know I'm playing with words a little bit. We need to begin and end and anything in between in prayer. Why was Peter released? The church prayed. Now they didn't expect the result they got right then because while they were praying, God was working. I saw this caption somewhere and then we'll conclude. Maybe on a church sign out in front. When I work, I work. When I pray, God works. Now you've got to think about it. When I work, I work. But when I pray, God works. Now God's working anyway. Well, we must believe once again that He answers our prayers according to His will and hears us. Why should we be surprised when we pray and He answers? Shouldn't when we get the answer, lift our eyes to heaven and say, I knew the whole time you were going to come through. Can God bring water out of that wall? Right here, this one. Could he bring water from this wall? You might say, well, if the baptistry broke, eventually the water would get through here. Hey, if God chooses to work that way to bring water through this wall, so be it. We know according to the Old Testament, he has brought water or brought water from a solid rock. If he can do that, he can bless you as you serve him we talk to Him and give Him our all. If you're not a Christian, that's the first choice you need to make. How can you pray our Father who art in heaven if God is not your Father? If you've never... How can you pray in the name of Jesus our Savior if Jesus is not your Savior? You can't. You can only pray our Father if God's your Father and in Jesus' name if He's your Savior. Make Him your Savior today. Put your faith in Him. Repent of your sins. Confess Jesus' sweet name and put Him on in baptism. You'll come up out of that waters, those waters of baptism, a new creation, brand new, having God as your Father, Jesus as your Savior, and the Holy Spirit of God Himself living inside you. And every sin you've ever committed, every thought, word, or deed you've ever done that's been amiss will forever be washed away by the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and for me. If you're, as a Christian, never, you've left the way, come back. We stand ready to help you. If you come as we stand together and as we sing.